Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast, the show where we zoom in on the latest tech news, products, and trends. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And in this episode, we are doing a fun little smorgasbord of little tech ideas to talk about. We have five different topics ranging from Bitcoin to 5G to killer hornets and more. And we're just going to be having a great conversation about them. But first up, we've got some quick news. So Gabe, roll that intro. Rolling. First up in quick news, we of course have all the new products that we've seen launched since our last episode. Most notably, for me, the most important one is the DJI Mavic Air 2. I know we talked about this in the last episode a bit because pretty much all the specs had leaked by then, but now it's official, so let's go over those specs one more time just so we can clear up any discrepancies and oogle over awesomeness which is this great new drone from dji which so, you're getting right Gabe? i yeah oh you can guarantee i pre-ordered that immediately as soon as it came out i should he's hopefully, excited i should he's yeah, so excited. i should have it by i think the end of this week and maybe if i'm lucky stetson will give that to me as a go review for maybe two podcasts down the future or something all we'll, right yeah we'll have to sure. see. but yeah this drone is 799 dollars starts at so already that's basically the same price as the Mavic Air, or a little cheaper, actually. I think the old one started at $900. And then, of course, you get that Fly More combo from DJI, which throws in, like, a case, extra charging stuff, some more batteries, and that brings it up to 988 I love how they didn't just go 999 They had to go, oh, no, we'll go $12 under 1000 That is... I guess gonna make people want to buy it. That makes it better. That people are gonna want to buy that. I mean, it's a it's a little bit mentally, but basically, you should figure if you're gonna be buying this with tax and everything, it's gonna be over a thousand dollars, probably more, especially if you throw in that fly more or the refresh thing, the DJI DJ Care, Care refresh. Care refresh. That yep. way, you get insurance if you crash. Exactly. I think that's a pretty good value. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, yeah, looking at the specs, it's actually a pretty incredible value because it actually is better than the DJI Mavic Air 2 in many ways. So you have 4K 60 FPS. Already that's better than the DJI Mavic Pro 2. Uh, you have 34-minute flight time. That's an improvement. You have a 10-kilometer video transmission at full HD. Incredible. That's super solid. This is yeah. a very excellent drone. And the big thing... All right, there's a couple of big things. Redesigned controller. So the controller now has the phone positioned at the top of it. Which I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how this really works. Since the beginning of the Mavic line, DJ has always put the controllers underneath. And I like that, how that works, but maybe this new design is better. We'll have to see, uh, you know, if it like balance wise, weight in the hands, accessing the screen, how easy it is. I'm excited though. I always like to see them trying new things. Also, they have the new ADSB receiver in North American models. So, what this means is if there's a plane flying over you, 34,000 feet or something, or there's a helicopter flying lower, you will be able to see that it is in your area on your uh, device, but it, it won't be able to see the drone. Okay. That's, it, so it, it's basically just improves the drone pilot's situational, situational awareness and, you know, makes you, oh, okay, you can be like, all right, I'm, I know now that there is a plane over there. I probably shouldn't go over there, even if it is 10,000 feet up, you know, just, that's just good. be cautious. Helps pilots be more careful, more cautious while flying. Yep. DJI also had another drone come out. Is that true? Yes, they did. Now, this, while you may be able to buy the Mavic Air 2, you know, pretty pretty reasonably priced at $799, this next drone is one that you most likely will never be able to fly or own. Uh, they don't even put a price out, actually, on the website, 
estimates for it are around $8,000 at least just for the drone itself. And this drone is called the DJI Matrice 300. So yeah, it's not for your average consumer. You can guess with a price tag like $8,000, $10,000. And that's just the drone, you know, adding in extra batteries, which most definitely need maybe a battery charging case that they have that charges multiple batteries at once. You know, that's probably a couple thousand adding in the thermal camera. They have this thermal camera they're calling the H 20 T, which has four cameras actually in one. It's a 12 megapixel wide angle, 20 megapixel, 20 X zoom camera. You have a LIDAR camera and then you have a thermal camera all this in one, packing. all in one array. Yeah. Right. Additionally to that, you can mount two other payloads on there. So say you could put a spotlight on there and you could put even another camera on top. So you could have three things mounted on gimbals on this drone. This is going to be a powerful drone. And I think DJI is really expanding into the more commercial drone industry. And that's who this audience is for. Well, I, 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 I know this is quick news, but I just want to digress quickly about two things that really excited me about this drone. Number one, the ability to have multiple people controlling the drone at once. Now, this is cool because you could be teaching someone to control a drone with two different transmitters. Say someone's flying and you can immediately take over with your transmitter. Or if because you have to maintain line of sight, say you want to start flying the drone, send someone maybe 2000 feet down the road with another controller. They could pick up the drone once it came into their line of sight and continue flying it in that direction. So that is a that's a very unique feature. Really I mean, cool I think, and really great for search and rescue and like police chases and stuff. Exactly. And I think the Mavic series of drones and some other drones can support dual controllers for one doing the camera, one doing controls and possibly teaching the other. No, it's, it's it was just it was just with that uh the like the yeah, the controller and the camera. This is adding new functionality basically. That's that great. And was was there a second There was. Thing? There was this thing hopefully will make it to the commercial line or yeah, the consumer line this feature because these drones are often used for inspecting you know water towers bridges cables everything from you know pretty much anything uh they added this feature where if you go out to the job you fly the drone up say you're inspecting a bridge take pictures of every like truss point and the, where the uh bolts are and you can save not only the waypoint but you can actually save the image and the drone will remember it so that all right next time you come out three months later It'll go back to that waypoint and line up the image exactly so it's taking the same exact framing, which is... That is perfect. That's brilliant. It's incredible. Unbelievable. I would love to see this brought to the Mavic line, maybe with the Mavic 3 Pro or Mavic Pro 3, whatever you want to call it, so that you could, you know, come to some spot, take a picture, come back three months later, take another picture and do a cool, like, seasonal change or even do a video, like, 8K time-lapse where you transition from, like, winter to summer. Oh, this, the possibilities be could be gorgeous. Endless. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I love it. So that we also had some other new products from other companies. Gabe, I know you yeah, love I know. your drones. There's, oh, DJI, so many new things. I, yes, but we have to move on. Sorry. Yeah. So other new products we had. We had a bunch of new computers coming out. A lot of new stuff from Microsoft. I know we usually talk about Apple, and they had something new too. But let's start with Microsoft. Not be complete Apple fanboys. You had four new products dropping from Microsoft. First up, you had the Surface Book Three, which is it's, I would call this a laptop, but it actually has a detachable screen, which functions like a tablet. Exactly. That's a great way of putting it. It's like if the Apple MacBook Pro had a detachable screen. Well, I'd say the MacBook Air probably more. Okay, MacBook Air. Yeah. I mean, it's well, somewhere this, around This there. starts at $1,600, so it's not cheap, but it's this does offer you know pretty professional level performance in a laptop form, and the build quality has definitely gotten better on Microsoft products, so... 
I'd I'd say go try it out at Best Buy, but obviously, uh, yeah, that's not happening currently yet. So maybe maybe wait till stores are opening back up and do that. Next up, we had the Surface Go to, which while the Surface Book Three was pretty expensive, this is actually only four hundred dollars starts at, and this is kind of like the iPad Mini of sorts of the Surface lineup. It isn't it isn't much smaller than the regular Surface, but it's definitely you know the cheaper hardware, you know less less premium finish and stuff. But for 400 bucks, that's incredible that you're getting a touchscreen uh, multifunctional tablet. It's crazy to me to think that these computers are cheaper than new smartphones that are coming out. Yeah, you could get three of these for like the price of one Samsung uh, S20 Ultra it's or whatever. It's unreal. I, it makes me appalled that all the money I spend on smartphones, I these laptops to me almost seem cooler. Maybe so. you got to get into reviewing Microsoft uh, laptops. Yeah, That's I guess, a new thing. come to think of it, it, maybe it wouldn't be that expensive to do. Yeah. And they well, probably hold their value a little bit better yeah, right, as well. Right, and maybe more functional? I'm not quite sure. But finally, rounding out the Microsoft products, you got two new headphones. You got their Surface Headphones 2, which are their follow-up to the Surface Headphones. These are their noise-canceling over-ear headphones, kind of like the Bose uh, Headphone 700 and the Sony ones. You know, these are nice for wearing on planes and stuff. I personally think they look very enticing at $250 when most headphones in this range are a little more expensive, like $300, $350. So those are good to look at, uh, potentially coming out in a couple of days. And then you also have the Surface earbuds have finally surfaced. You know, they announced, they teased them back in October, said they were going to be out, I think, in a couple months, and then they pushed it back. These are basically their follow-up or answer to the AirPods, and they're $199, which Interestingly, the Google Pixel Buds 2 also just came out around this time, and they're uh, only $179. So if you're looking for headphones and you don't want or earbuds and you don't have to go with Apple earbuds, potentially look at either the Pixel Buds 2 or the Surface earbuds uh, for you. Like, which one do you think? I, I know the Surface earbuds look cool, but the Pixel Buds 2 have the possibility to actually do translation in your ear. Right? I think the Pixel I've, Buds is what I'm most interested in with the integrations with Google and kind of what they're doing. I don't really like the design of the Surface earbuds. They look okay. they look weird to me. I, I, I think I'd like to try them before yeah. really assessing them, but the style is definitely a very unique look. Well, we'll see. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd ever want to try earbuds that other people have tried. I guess you have to clean them very well. Ew, yeah, it's kind of gross. Headphones are different than earbuds, but... There's a nice comfortable distance between yeah. your ear and the speaker. Yeah, uh, the Surface headphones too really do look great, though, and it's just great we have more options as consumers for audio devices. The only thing is not much improvement. It seems like versus the previous generation. This is true. Kind of this unfortunate. All right. Finally, last uh, new product we got in quick news is the Apple MacBook Pro 13 inch. Finally, and unfortunately, not a huge update. Basically, they just brought this up to the refresh of the uh, 16 inch though they didn't change the size of it and wait before we even go further there could be a 14 inch variant coming out where it essentially would be kind of the same chassis size but they just get rid of the bezels because this 13 inch macbook pro still has the huge bezels of like the previous yesteryear uh, apple laptops so what's new with this uh, macbook pro so basically for the baseline entry-level macbooks you're getting the new keyboard, which is they eliminated the butterfly switches and went back to the old style scissor switches. And I think you just got like, I think that actually might be it. Yeah, that's, and that's, then, that's pretty much it. Yeah, you got slightly better uh, 
intro uh, uh, SSD storage, so you get 128 gigabytes. This is $1,300 for the new MacBook Pro 13-inch, and that does have the touch bar too. So, so you have the touch bar. Yeah. They added back a physical escape key, That's and those are nice. the those are the improvements That's to the entry level. It. And then you bump up to the Pro level. Well, not the Pro level, but you spend more for the higher end MacBook Pro, and yep. all of a sudden you're getting an improved processor, you're getting faster memory, and you're getting, um, I think, so it's the 10th gen Intel processors. Yeah, the, the newer, RAM. slightly newer. So it's definitely gonna be interesting for people looking for a, a low-end MacBook, uh, if they're gonna go with the Air or the MacBook Pro 13-inch. Very comparable, you know, one's slightly lighter, one's, you know, slightly better screen, has that touch bar functionality. I, I, you know, I don't know what people are going to go for. I know there's going to be a lot of comparisons online comparing those two and we'll leave it to them. Finally, actually, I want to add one more thing. I know we talked in the last episode, Aperture releasing their weekly lights. Yes. Uh, they, anything new is my RC LED light here. Yeah. Unfortunately, no, oh, still no, still no why RC. Why would you bring this up? I know that's, that's why I brought it up. They released, released, uh, these new lights called the Lightstorm 60. W, 60D, and 60X by color. These are basically smaller LED focusable lights. They look pretty cool. I don't think they actually even have a price on on them yet, but yeah, they, they don't have no price or availability. So that's why I didn't really want to talk about them too much, but we still got one more Wednesday left of Aperture announcements. Let's keep our fingers crossed that we get your smart I'm uh, double crossing all my fingers. All right, that looks painful. But. All right, let's move on to software now. First up, speaking of Apple and their new MacBook Pro, they actually have their WWDC event scheduled for June 22nd. So WWDC is Apple's worldwide developer conference. Typically, they host all of the developers. Where is this going to be taking place this year? Uh, this is going to be online. We're moving everything online. Oh, yes. Which oh, is yeah. actually a good thing, though, for people who can't attend it you know, and can't get to California, this year you could possibly attend it. Right, yeah, I think Apple is pretty good about uploading all the sessions online, either after the event or potentially live, but now everything's just gonna be available uh, for developers. So I think it's gonna work out and it's gonna be nice. Typically, this is where they show off the new generation of Mac OS, iOS, and now iPad OS, and I guess also Watch OS, and we get to see all the new features debuted before the betas are available in the summer and then the public releases are released in the fall. So I love it, I'm excited about it. Speaking of Apple again, they are now pairing up with Google and they've revealed how their COVID-19 exposure notifications will be handled. Uh, the new beta releases of iOS are detailing that basically if you enable this feature, if your phone pings another phone in a nearby area that that person has COVID-19, it'll give you notification and then you can go in to the app settings and say, here's my test number, I have tested positive, and it will let other devices that your phone has come in contact with know that they may have uh, come in contact with someone who's potentially contracted COVID-19. Yeah, I like how they have it that it's not like, you know, it's not super easy to just go in and say, I have COVID-19, and then, you know, you have to actually like- Scare they, everyone, yeah, you, so you're they entering- They the health providers, yeah. Yeah, um, and the other news that I thought was interesting is Facebook announced messenger rooms allowing you to video chat with up to 50 people at once now have you have you used this i have not used it i'd be very interested to give it a try See, i used it uh with some friends this past weekend and the weekend before and i really liked it i know a lot of people have been using zoom a lot of people have used facetime i actually haven't used it with multi i've used it with three or four people but not more than that the but problem i find with facetime is you need to have a group chat 
already in True, place yes. in iMessage. I don't have that with a lot of people I want to talk with. And so the Zoom link system of just sending a link, join this meeting has worked really well for us. Uh, I mean, I'd be really curious actually to hear more about Messenger Rooms and uh, I, well, yeah, I just re- I really liked I, I, the way I joined it was kind of similar to the face FaceTime way where I we had a messenger had a messenger group, group right yeah and, and we're like hey let's have a you know Saturday hangout this you know everyone drink and have some fun and it was v- pretty good video quality uh, overall and experience I do like they have filters which is so oh my stupid gosh. who's gonna use them but it's kind of fun you know they have face filters they have background filters and they have lighting filters as well as they also have some like group game things i didn't really get into that much but overall i thought it was you know decent quality comparable to the other services it was very easy to use the one thing i think all these services are missing which i don't know if we'll ever get is some way to like say you have eight people talking you know if you're in a group setting where you have eight people talking you can kind of focus on like two people could be talking together and then six people could be having a conversation right and you can kind of have little so you want like breakout rooms kind of but not breakout rooms just some way for it to decrease the audio of others to figure out who you're talking to right this sounds almost too intelligent you basically want a real world situation where your mind can zone out everyone else and only focus on the person you're talking to exactly and then drop the levels and then bring everyone back up when you're done talking yeah Gabe, well, you are a tech dreamer, and I love it. Maybe we'll see it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, in uh, also, we did another Facebook thing. Didn't they have a slight? I haven't gotten it yet, but didn't they get a really? slightly new redesign? Yeah. Yeah. So a while ago, Facebook had an event, and they announced a new design for Facebook. And I think they've been more aggressive about rolling it out on the mobile experience. So my mobile app has the new design, and I was waiting for the browser version to get updated. And one day, I just got this notification like, "Hey." The new Facebook is ready. Would you like to try it out? I said, yes, I would love to try it out. And I was greeted with this totally redesigned Facebook experience. It has a cleaner design, cleaner layout. I think it's a little bit easier to find things and navigate around. And the text is bigger, so it's easier to read. I'm still in 2015 there. (laughs) I I mean, it's unclear when it's coming to everyone, but I think it looks nice and you can find photos of it online. All right, and quick news is kind of taking forever, but we still got two more things. Rumors-wise, I know there's always iPhone rumors. We're not really going to touch into those. iPhone 12 is eventually coming out sometime this fall. Maybe we'll do that around WDC. Do like a little special kind of dive into everything we have right now. Yeah, that's good. uh, We actually have Google rumors. Yeah, what did we have there? So Rich Osterlo, he is the head of hardware at Google, and he tweeted... I, I like how we've mentioned these people's names uh, you should be having on your board, you know, Sherlock Holmes, where he does those big, you know, with people and drawing lines between people. Yeah, this you have is the what, string connecting the photos. You should have you should have one of these for all your all the CEOs of different companies and heads of different companies that sets in because you really love to mention the he, who the people were rather than I just love it. mentioning a random person at Google did this. But anyway, no, sorry, Google's I digress. Head of hardware, Rich Osterlo, he tweeted from a Pixel 4a. How do what? we know this? Because the screenshot, so he screenshotted something related to Fitbit. He was excited about it. And the screenshot had the status bar, time, and notifications shifted over as if to accommodate for a hole punch camera in the top left of the display, which is what the Pixel 4a is rumored to have. That means Pixel 4a could be right around the corner, so get excited for that. That's some good sleuth in there by the internet. Uh, Other rumors we have, this one is really far out. 
probably farther out than the Pixel 4a. GoPro 9. Jeez, already? Yeah, some new GoPro. There was a dual screen new menu design that was leaked uh, in an FCC filing. Basically, we think GoPro is kind of doing the same that the DJI Osmo Action did and they're going to have in their next GoPro, they're going to have both a back display as well as that colored smaller LCD display on the front. So if you're doing a selfie or something, you can actually frame your shot up, which honestly, I didn't think it was that big of a deal on the Osmo Action because I don't do a lot of selfies with, with GoPros. Usually I'm doing more like POVs and stuff. But this couple times I started doing, you know, selfie style shots and vlogging with the Osmo Action. I was like, wow, this is really helpful, actually. So. Sure. Nice it see. seems like it makes sense. And I'd be curious in the end to see a comparison of maybe DJI will have near their new action cam and how it compares with the Insta360 ONE R. In oh, terms oh of I think system. definitely DJI's action cams coming out probably sometime this summer because they dropped the price of it down over Mother's Day to only $229 for their Oof. previous Osmo action. So yeah, that's around the corner. But that was it for quick news. I hope quick quote unquote quick news. Uh, all right, we'll do better next time, Stetson. We'll we'll uh, do like a sand timer thing. Yeah, we really need one of those to stay on track and focused. Maybe. But well, now we have Go Review. Tell them what that is, Stetson, if they don't know. Welcome to Go Review. Go Review is where one of us assigns the other a product, service, or item to go out and review. So it could be something like. Uh, a service, something you subscribe to. Gabe has reviewed cooking services. Could be a product. I reviewed the Galaxy S20. And it's basically a fun way for us to try a new product and then share it with the audience. So Gabe, what did you end up reviewing? I gave you the option of Google Stadia and some uh, subscription services like comparing Netflix, Hulu, and the other entertainment options. What did you go for? Well, you know, I was gonna review Google Stadia we actually tried Stadia. We played together. No, I don't I think. Like, I don't know. Don't talk about it. We didn't do that. We're not gamers. <laughs> no, well, maybe I'll hold it off for a future episode. But for now, I'm going to talk about the streaming services. Ooh, the streaming services. Uh, honestly, this, this, it's hard to make this review interesting because like, everyone has probably several streaming services that they use. You know, Everyone's used some for, sort of a streaming service. It's nothing new. It's nothing really that exciting. It's a lot of numbers, but I'm going to do the best I can. So I wrote a rap. At, no, just kidding. <laughs> I would have believed you if you went with that. So what did you try out? What were the services you Basically, ended up Basically, okay, there are now way too many services. So I know we talked about cutting the cable. It's a big thing. <laughs> I, I would presume people are actually doing that now because sports have stopped. And that was the primary reason to keep your cable bill was so, to yeah, watch live sports. Cu- cutting the cable was all gr- fine and dandy when our the next thing you did was, all right, I signed up for Netflix and I have everything, or I signed up for Netflix and Hulu. Now, there are there are so many. Okay, so here's the ones I just included on this one were <laughs> Disney+, Plus, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO Now slash Max, Apple TV, and Quibi. That's Those are seven, seven right? services. Yeah, and that's not including those, I think, like CBS's. Uh, several other ones. I also didn't include the ones that are quote unquote like TV replacements, like YouTube TV, Hulu TV, uh, Fibi, or is it Fubu? I think it is. I don't know that one. You this, could potentially add YouTube Premium in there too, depending on how you I, view that. I don't really. That I don't count that. Did you uh, add up these prices in terms of what people will be paying? I mean, okay, I yes. imagine it's like. All right. Well, let's get this the silly numbers out of the way. So the cheapest ones you're gonna get 
are Apple TV right now and Quibi. Quibi starts at $4.99. It does have abs, ads. Apple TV is also $4.99. No ads. Both and are both are only original content, though. I also want to add... Apple TV, you, you get free if you buy an Apple product this year. I guess I'll just well. let you do Sorry. the Go review. That's this is my Go review. Yeah, what are we doing? You think I'm not prepared? So those are... Interestingly, those are the cheapest ones. They're also both original content only, which is both enticing and a reason why not to get it right because there's no reason to go oh i need to get this because this is the way i watch those old reruns i want or stuff it's more like oh i want something new to watch oh this platform has a bunch of new stuff personally i would definitely go for apple tv versus quibi the experience is way better i do like what quibi does you know it's the mobile format where you can go from landscape to vertical watching very quickly just by flipping your phone but personally not a fan of that vertical watching and also the, all their shows seem to have like they put out like you know like the first seven episodes 14 episodes and then there hasn't really been any new episodes coming out so i don't know what's going on with that interesting and i think quibi they're 10 minutes typically right per yeah episode. they're really short they basically take up your routine episode and divide it into five segments and put it out over the course of a week so if you only have 14 episodes you're basically only getting two shows two, worth yeah, of content, yeah two right? episodes essentially Divided oh, up. jeez. Yeah. It's pretty sad. Anyways, moving on. Next up, price-wise, we have Hulu, which is $5.99. That is ad-supported. I think there is an ad-free version for a higher price. I didn't actually look that up. Sorry, there's a lot of prices I had to look up. But that's definitely... I would include that with Netflix and Amazon Prime as ones that are kind of the three core um, streaming services. Sure. Uh, next, uh, going up price tier wise, we have Disney plus that's six ninety nine. Now Disney plus is, if you're a Disney fan, this is an essential thing to get. It also has, uh, some original content. Now they're going to have more in the future, but it's basically all the Disney content, a lot of Fox content because Disney bought Fox, you know, you get your Marvels, your star Wars. They also have Nat Geo. Basically Disney owns everything. So you're getting a lot of stuff there. I really like their layout. It's very similar to Apple TV. I would say if I had to rank layout-wise in UI, it'd be probably Netflix. Actually, no, Netflix is close to the top. They're pretty good. But I would say Disney Plus or Apple TV really have the best layout. Maybe Amazon Prime. But yeah, those Disney Plus and Apple TV really impressed me. Also HBO, actually. So. What I'm curious, what were you using Apple TV on? Because I was using it on my phone, and I actually I felt like I struggled to use their navigation system. I... It's all right. I, I guess I've been using most of these on my TV, on like an Apple TV or a Google Chromecast. I would imagine I that would provide a better experience. That's kind of what I was yeah. wondering. Yeah. That so, um, all right, going up still more in price, we have next at $8.99. Uh, both of them are $8.99. It is Amazon Prime, technically, and Netflix. They're both $8.99. However, Starting. I, however, I will add the caveat in. Amazon Prime, if you just sign up for the Amazon Prime service rather than the Amazon Prime video... That is $9.99 or $119 for the year. So essentially $1 more and you get free Prime. Uh, and you get Prime TV. And you get Prime TV. Or what? yeah, vice versa. Which I don't know which one you're getting free with what. But I don't know <laughs> I don't know why you'd pay for Amazon Prime Video at $8.99 and not get Amazon Prime. Free shipping for $12 extra right? a year. That is so worth it. That's interesting. Yeah, well, there's, there's even more bonuses. I think you get like free photo storage, five gigabytes. or There's a bunch of different stuff. So that's, sure. yeah, that's that's those two at $8.99. And then the most expensive one is actually HBO at $14.99 a month. Ooh, that is expensive. So that is, yeah, that is pretty pricey. 
and interestingly, as I was, I was looking up subscriber numbers too, to kind of see what's the most popular. Obviously, Netflix has 182 million subscribers globally, 61 million in the US. That's the most popular. Uh, HBO went down after Game of Thrones ended. <laughs> so you look at their subscriber numbers, they keep going up to like 2017, 2018, and they just start going down this past two years. That is hilarious. And uh, small on the smallest end of the subscriber numbers, Quibi, I think, is around 2 million now. It only launched like a month ago. Apple that's TV, impressive. Two, mo- 2 million in a yeah. couple months? That's yeah. Well, really that's all impressive. free, though, pretty much. Apple TV has 33 million. Again, most likely all free with people signing up because they got the devices. And Disney Plus actually passed 50 million. So that's that's a newer one than Apple TV and has way more subscribers. I'm uh, impressed But, th- with but that is globally Plus. versus Apple TV. I think it's only US right now or something. Not sure, quite sure. Sure, sure. Um, okay, so the, basically the way I'll break it down now. Those were is, the numbers. Yeah, those were all the numbers. Going through them, there's, as I said, Apple TV, Quibi. Very, honestly, they're very, the most unique experiences, I would say. And also they're all original content. So if you're looking for something new out there, you're looking for, I want, you know, I'm bored of those same old shows. I, yeah, I already have Netflix. I want a new thing that offers me some something new, something different. Maybe I only subscribe to for two, three months and binge those shows and then I'm done. That what I think is Apple TV or Quibi because they have, I would say, very good shows on both of them that are original, that are, you know, they're trying to do something different. Personally, on Apple TV, I really like the show C, which was with uh, Jason Momoa. And I also, what was the other one? It was was the Raven's Banquet one, yeah? Raven's Banquet was another one. There's also one called Dickinson uh, with... um, Haley Seinfeld about Emily Dickinson. Yeah, just like really well-made shows that are with some big creators because Apple has a ton of money to throw around. And so you're getting these shows that you can binge through, no ads, just watch them, enjoy them. If you have Apple devices, you're getting it for free if you bought one this year. So definitely check that out. Uh, HBO and Disney Plus, I would put in the category of a lot. Well, Disney Plus actually doesn't have much original content, except for you can pretty much count all their Disney content as original content. I would count that as original. Yeah. They didn't go out to produce it for the streaming service, but they had this amazing library that is now accessible via streaming. HBO is pretty much all original as far as TV shows go, but then they have movies, which is nice, that they get a lot of good movies. They're sometimes the first ones to get, like, if... The new Wonder Woman comes out. They'll be the first one to get that maybe when that comes to streaming services. And Disney will have, or Disney Plus will have a lot of stuff coming. I know they have like Marvel shows coming. They have, they have a ton of stuff coming. Pretty much a lot of it got pushed back because of COVID-19. Right, yeah. But we should hopefully see it coming out, you know, later this year. For now, you can be happy with some game shows they have. Or they have, I know, Jeff Goldblum. They have a, like the world according to Jeff Goldblum show. I have, I think I checked out like half episode. I wasn't very interested. Kind of some like reality shows or little like docu style follow alongs basically. All right, now the big three: big Netflix, three. Hulu, Amazon Prime. All of these, obviously, Hulu is the cheapest with the ad supported version. Where do you stand on ads personally? Let me just take a break. Give me if a breath. If I'm to paying for something, I don't want ads. That's the whole point. All right, it saves me and time. back to Gabe. <laughs> No, I, I think I think I'd kind of agree in general. I like it when I'm watching on a TV. I do sometimes like ads because it gives me a break to you know get up, grab snacks, or get up and let the dog out or something like that. Right? It's kind of like traditional TV, but at the same point, when you've gone from watching just TV with no ads and then you go watch it with ads, you're kind of like, 
This All right, is the I, worst. Yeah, I definitely can see why people don't why like Why am ads. I paying to watch an ad? Yeah. So, you know, that aside, you can pay more for Hulu to get it without ads. But all of them have content from other platforms, from other, uh, you know, content producers, from Universal, uh, from... They, I don't know if HBO actually... I think they pretty much are exclusively on their own network. But, you know, it's Time Warner, Paramount, Sony... All these different movies, all these different TV shows, all these different documentaries on there. And overall, I see a lot of overlap generally between Hulu and Amazon Prime with their movies and stuff, especially when you start getting through their backlog catalog. I think Amazon Prime actually has the most content of any of them because they actually, something that a lot of people don't know is they have what is kind of like a YouTube program where pretty much anyone can submit films and videos to be on Amazon Prime which got them into a lot of trouble recently because there was some pretty messed up stuff and like conspiracy series stuff that was on there that people weren't happy once they saw that it was there. Interesting. So do you think that opens the gate for more niche or I guess no, it opens it opens or? it for more bad stuff pretty much. More and bad stuff. You're, so you're, like you're lower pay- quality content. Yeah, if you're paying for stuff, you you can get free content on YouTube that all day, right? And it can be very good, but it also can be very... Like, that's what YouTube's for. And you can pay for premium to get no ads. But with these, you really want, like, you know, that studio level... High quality, well-produced, well-thought-out, scripted, epic, entertaining shows and movies. So I would say that... I mean, you add up the three prices of these. Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. Say you only need two of them. Let's just go Netflix, Hulu, or Netflix, Amazon Prime. Maybe you already have Amazon Prime. So there's already you have Amazon Prime Video, then you throw in Netflix. That's you're paying uh, $8.99 a month for Netflix, $8.99 essentially for Amazon Prime. There's $18 there. That's, you know, if you consider that cable bills are 30 bucks, 40 bucks a month, just just when you're bundling with, you know, uh, internet, internet and stuff. Yeah. Well, the just the cable part, the TV part, right? It's like 40 bucks for internet, another 40, so it's like 80 bucks total or something. Maybe more depending on where you are if you're getting promos, but so you have a, you have more to play with. So maybe throw in a Disney Plus uh, for six ninety nine. So you can get a lot yeah. of subscriptions to it replace do, it your does, cable. It does start to add up though. I feel like once you start wanting stuff like live sports with the ESPN, though I will also add uh, Disney because they own ESPN and a good majority stake of Hulu. You can get for I think it's twelve ninety nine a month. You can get Disney Plus, ESPN Go, and Hulu. That seems like a good deal. I would probably do that with yeah. Netflix. And with I Netflix also and then have Amazon Prime and you get the Amazon Prime video and that seems like a pretty good thing. Then you just buy a new Apple product. You know, Boom, iPhone you iPhone go. SE and you've got Apple TV. Or do I they include it. I think they do with that. I'm not sure. But yeah, I would yeah. They do. So overall, I would say personally my favorite one of all of them right now is uh Disney Plus, I would say. It's Obviously. the newest I am a huge fan of the Marvel TV shows. I mean, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and also Star Wars. And you really can't go wrong with that because it's all, you, you know, the movies. It's pretty much just rewatching them at this point because it's like they're not releasing a lot of new content. But if you're feeling nostalgic or something, go with Disney Plus. You know, if you want to relive your childhood, do some Pixar movies and stuff. If you just want, you know, maybe you don't have a streaming service and you want to go out and get one. Uh, or I don't know, you had to discontinue them. You want to start a new one now. I would go 
get Netflix. If you really can't afford a quote-unquote standalone streaming service, maybe go with Amazon Prime because that gets bundled into the Amazon Prime, right? So you get Amazon Prime Video with right. the Prime service. I would service. almost consider doing the Disney Plus bundle with Hulu because then you're getting all your Disney favorites and you're getting Hulu for the TV yeah. shows. Yeah, so maybe do that and the Amazon Prime that you already have. And there you have four, four streaming services right there. Uh, sign up for Quibi. They're doing a three-month free trial, 90 days right now. Uh, but make I sure didn't you, really like their content. Make sure you honest. check up to the non-ad version, even though it's seven ninety nine, uh, and then you can just unselect that. But yeah, that's kind of my go review. Hopefully, this was somewhat interesting to listen to. I thought and, it was interesting. I love how you pulled in the different numbers of the subscriber counts. You talked about the different pricing of the services. One thing I do want to add is Netflix. While it starts at eight ninety nine, that's for one screen at standard definition. So to get two screens at full HD quality. You are bumping up the price, and I think it's around twelve ninety nine. Yeah, either twelve ninety nine or eleven ninety nine. That is that now. is true. I would say that you don't. I don't know. I, I've watched many movies in standard quality on a big screen. It's pretty fine, honestly. You know what's embarrassing? We actually had the standard definition Netflix subscription for years, and no one noticed. Well, and then it, I was not, watching. It's not that big of a deal, I think, honestly, because we're used to streaming stuff coming in lower quality because it's streaming, right? It can't uh, get, you know, you know, can't stream like 4K or even sometimes full HD, depending on your internet connection. So who cares if it's just 720? Well, when I was watching on my monitor, that's when I really okay. started noticing the new difference. F- what, 4K, 5K monitor? <laughs> yeah, the new yeah. five, the 5K iMac. That's why um, this looks that, a little yeah, bit that more prob- blurry. Yeah, that probably does it. So and yeah, that, I, wait, the okay, last yeah. thing. Sorry to keep jumping in. No, it's in. okay. I do a lot of research into cell phone plans, and actually some of the compelling offers are that cell phone plans will bundle streaming services. This is another opportunity to get everything bundled together. Sprint offers Hulu for free with their plans. Netflix offers Netflix for free. Wait, did I say Netflix ne- twice yeah. there? Yes. Okay. So T-Mobile, excuse me, offers Netflix included with their plans. And I think AT&T works with HBO, so they offer HBO Well, AT&T Max. owns HBO. See? There you go. They do work together. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, they, uh, they, wait, hold on. This goes deeper <laughs> than I thought. So, yeah, that is, a, that is a good thing to bring up. Yes, potentially you could, uh, yeah, especially the AT&T deal. I know, I don't know how much you recommend AT&T, but they, I would say they are launching their HBO uh, Max thing, and they have... Actually, I would say for the original ones, they're probably one of the best. If you're especially like Westworld is my favorite show. I love that show. It's incredible. The problem is they're very short seasons, like eight episodes. So that's the the, the original content services like Disney Plus, Apple, and uh, Quibi and HBO seem more like the ones that you sign up for. All right, let's sign up for one month, binge, binge the show that just came out, and then discontinue my subscription. The ones like Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Hulu seems like the ones that you sign up for, stay subscribed for uh, the whole year or whatever. Great analysis. Really appreciate it, Gabe. Lastly, uh, what are you signed up for? What are you currently watching right now? Well, I am mooching off uh, my family's uh, subscriptions on Netflix and Hulu right now. I think as are a lot of people. And oh, for I'm, sure. Yeah, I'm currently signed up for Apple TV off the new iPad mini I got. I'm signed up for... Uh, Quibi off the free trial that I got. I'm I'm paying for Disney right now currently because I was super nostalgic about the you know f- one year anniversary of the Avengers Endgame coming out. Had to rewatch that of course a couple times. And what's the other one? HBO. Oh, we, my my family also currently has a cable. I know. Yeah, my dad oh, still gosh. has a cable uh, subscription. So if you do have a cable subscription, you can actually get HBO Go, 
which is essentially like HBO now, but it's for, you know, you just log in with your Spectrum or whatever login credentials and you get that service. So okay, yeah, we, I have you. everything. Thank that's you how I, that's how I tested it. <laughs> that, I guess it worked out quite well. I didn't even know if you had everything, but yeah. that was a great breakdown. One, one thing I didn't bring in was like quality, like which one does 4K, because honestly, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Considering most TV broadcast is 720p, you yeah. probably are correct. I doubt as many people would notice or care about that. Yeah. And if you do care, odds are you already know. So Gabe, do you have any product services or ideas for me to go out and review for the next episode? So I have a couple, but definitely if you want to review Google Stadia, I'll give you that. I think we'll... The ongoing know. joke. Oh no, it's, will no, review this, it. this, is, this is sincere. This is sincere. I'm giving, I think you could review Google Stadia. The other one I will say is, you know, it's 2020. I am, I think I'm using, I started using Chrome, Google Chrome back in 2010, 2009. Jeez, it a long time ago. Should I still be using Google, Google Chrome? Or if not, what web browser should I be using in 2020? That's the question I want to know. Okay, there you I, go. I know this is a lot to ask and it's kind of like my... Uh, my streaming services. Are you review. outsourcing your research right now, Gabe? A, a little bit too. Yeah, that, that's honestly, if you pick up the trend with me, it's just asking Stetson to go test out stuff for me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank I'll you, be interested. Thank you for those I'm interested to see in uh, you know what you come up with and come back with, and uh, maybe you can do some screen recording stuff and we upload it on a YouTube channel to show people. I don't know. Have fun we'll, with it. We'll figure it out. I've got two weeks, and I'll get back to you. Next up on the podcast, we are getting to our main topic, our mishmash. We've got five exciting things to talk about here. Our roulette of sorts, right? Random oh, yeah. chance. Random chance. So we've got five topics, the Bitcoin having, 5G killer hornets, how COVID-19 is affecting tech, and our monthly favorites numbered one through five. I've got a dice. Is it a die? I have a die here. I think you got one. It's a, I got a dice. Multiple a dice. Die. Oh, yeah. So I have a dice here. Thank you, Gabe. Yep. And we're just going to roll it. First topic is one, Bitcoin having slash cryptocurrency. All right. And we're, by the way, we're putting five minutes on the clock for each, each of these because they're we're just gonna keep little, these actually short, little shallow dives in and then moving on. So let's start the timer and let's talk about Bitcoin having and cryptocurrency. Stetson, let's, yeah. let's see what your knowledge is on this subject first. So I, I had to do a little, a little bit, bit of extensive research. And I think we should start with what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is cryptocurrency. And it was created on the system of blockchain, right? Yep. Where basically every transaction is recorded with blocks. And these blocks contain data for who the digital sender is, who the okay, receiver well, is, all right. well, and I how much is you've, being You've already veered received. off a little bit. You're, you're pretty okay, close. Okay, well, it's, it's okay. Well, you think I'm off? Correct I'll, me. All right. So I would say blocks are actually like, imagine... You know, you have your bank when you do a transaction or you purchase something online. Yeah. These, the data, like say you take $90 out of your account and transfer it to someone else. Say you buy something. All of that info is put into the block. So that the block is actually a ledger of all the transactions that have taken place. And every 10 minutes, there's a new block that is created. And then oh. more transactions are put into that. So basically how this works, they call it... Bit, the Bitcoin halving is basically where your the reward that someone gets for quote unquote mining a new block or starting a new block goes down. And the word bitcoin mining is completely confusing. It's arbitrary. I think it was it was made because the creator intended the currency to mimic gold. 
Yeah. And so you would mine gold, so you mine I mean, Bitcoin. It, it, it makes sense, but what the, the best way to explain how Bitcoin mining works is that you have a bunch of people with computers around the world uh, that are all trying to compete for that new block and basically how they get the right to um, write that new ledger, or write that block is they have to guess kind of like it's a massive guess, guess the number basically, essentially. It's a lot more complicated than that. It's involving hexadecimal numbers and algorithms and stuff. But essentially, whichever person or whichever computer gets the closest to that number first, they get the rights to write the ledger down for that next block. So say you, they, you know, they guess the number, they go, all right, and you sets and transferred this much currency out to so-and-so this person did this and they can do one transaction every seven seconds. They can write down at the end of that 10 minutes, that ledger is then sent out to other computers around the world who verify that and make sure everything was accurate. But then that computer gets a reward for doing that. Currently that reward is 50 bitcoins. And then as that, or actually, no, it's not. It started at 50 bitcoins. Currently, I think it's 12 point. I think it's 12 or 12.5, 12.5. And then I think around the time that we're recording this, or maybe the next day, it's going to be having to six, right? 6.25 6, 6. Bitcoin. 6.25, yeah, basically. Um, and so the big deal about this is that, you know, these these mine... I, it originally started where anyone with a computer could basically, quote-unquote, mine Bitcoin. Now most of this is done in server farms, which are these huge, like Apple has, like Amazon has, huge racks of computers that are set up specifically to mine Bitcoin, cooled so they can perform the fastest you know transactions and and basically guess be more likely to guess that initial number and get the rights to process and and create that ledger and the problem is when it halves or the problem or what the reaction and the consequence and outcome of it the having is that these people who are running these operations get less money um coming in and so it well, makes, it, it kind of depends on the value it, of Bitcoin. It makes it, well, yes, if the value of Bitcoin goes up, but initially it's going to be they're getting less money, so it makes it, so, money, a lot, yeah. it, makes it so a lot of uh, Bitcoin mining off operations aren't going to be profitable, but because there are also going to be less people potentially doing it and the price of Bitcoin might go up at a, as a result of less Bitcoin being introduced into the system, right? Because this Bitcoin, that's the reward that's given is coming from thin air. It's poof, there's six Bitcoin to you. Uh, the inflation slows down and the price of Bitcoin probably will go up. Yeah, great analysis. It's we got about one more minute. Anything else? <laughs> it's a deflationary currency and there is actually a limit. It's a yep. 21 million max circulation. So at some point... We'll and it'll, yeah, it'll basically you'll, every, I think it's 210,000 blocks, I think it is. It That's stops, correct. Yeah, it stops. Um, I mean, it halves and that can That's take... Correct. It's it been about, I think, did they say four years, six years? Four years because it's yeah. 10 minutes to verify one block. Yeah, there we go. And then if you do the math out, 210,000 blocks is your four-year mark. So this will happen again in about four years. That is the Bitcoin halving. And I would just say also, it's uh, if you haven't bought or got some cryptocurrency, it's potentially a good thing to put some money in. Not too much, but with the way that you know inflation's going with the US dollar, some Chinese trade wars, we could see that price going up. Uh, check out Coinbase or Binance if you want to go buy some cryptocurrency. Potentially, I think those are the two best exchanges. We're out not there. professional financial advisors. Yeah, don't. T yeah, only these are only opinions. All right, we hit five minutes. What, uh, roll the dice to find out what we're talking about next. Wow, Three killer hornets. Killer hornets. Whoa. Oh my gosh! All right, I don't even know if I want to talk about these. First, first go to uh, 
what is it? Coyote Peterson Brave Wilderness's YouTube channel. And oh watch, my god, I saw that. Watch the video <gasps> where he gets stung one, by one of these. I didn't see the full thing. But they, should yeah. we pause the podcast? Should I go no, do that? You don't actually have to watch it. I'm just telling the people maybe to go. The, Keep audience. the podcast playing. Go to a different device. Watch it. No, don't really. But yes, I think to put into scale of how big these are, these are two inches long. These hornets. They're which hornets. Is, yeah, They're which is huge. Basically, like the width almost of your smartphone. They're they sl- look smaller, like but. birds when they're flying. They are so big. Yeah, like it's like a hummingbird. Like a hummingbird. That is and scary. They're originally from Asia. That's yeah, why so they're these are the Asian giant hornets. The Japanese. I have Japanese, Japanese giant yeah, hornets. Okay, they're from. Be specific. They're from Japan, and, and there are different variations of them too. So. Okay, yeah, it sounds like you know more right now. Well, I was doing a little bit of research into this cursory um, research. Basically, what makes these things so terrifying is. They're big, and the bigger the bee, the more venom it has. They have seven times more venom than honeybees, which is why this thing is so potent and powerful, and they can kill humans if you get stung by, say, like 40 of them. Like, you go well, into a hive area. What I would say that, honestly, I wouldn't worry about that. I know people have been it's, all... I mean, that's like the scary humans, yeah. but the real threat is actually environmental. Gabe, well, tell think, us more I about... I think that's more scary to humans. I was going to put a pun in there. People have been a buzz about this on Twitter. <laughs> But no, the, honestly, to, to level with people, the scary thing about this is I think it's the, the stat is two thirds of all food we eat is pollinated by bees or something like that. Ridiculous. Like it's incredible how much bees we affect our bees. current agriculture. You know, everything from the wheat you eat in the bread or well, not you, Stetson. Sorry. I am gluten free. I don't eat that. Okay. Thank the corn though. in the bread that you eat maybe to the rice, to the apples. It's incredible how food. much everything yeah. and the, much, the yeah, food that food, the animals food, are eating period <laughs> uh so the big issue here is these hornets can go in and in a matter of hours they can clear out and kill by beheading every single bee in a it's hive so it's so sad so these japanese giant hornets have huge pinchers on the front of them and they can literally go in and decapitate these poor honeybees and the european honeybees are defenseless and these japanese giant hornets can kill 40 honeybees in a minute yeah and they're not they're not just complete animals i mean they are animals but they're not just doing it for fun they actually then take the thoraxes back of these bees to their hive to feed on that which is, is just i mean brutal. great for them but it's pretty awful what they're doing wait to these Gabe, did you just say they're not animals no i Dude, said they- that's savage <laughs> that is like what what kind of animal does that well, I would say an animal list. Well, I guess that, that is the definition of animals doing it because you need to. They're not humans because they don't kill for fun, right? <laughs> they killed eat. Yes. And so, yeah, you mentioned it was the European honeybee that they're killing. The interesting thing is the Japanese honeybee has actually evolved alongside this oh, huge monstrous hornet. And they've gotten to a point where they can now work as a group if this hornet comes into their hive. It's surround- a group hug. Yeah, they basically do a, a massive root pug, surround this hornet in a massive, like a ball of bees, and are able to generate so much heat that they just like roast the hornet inside and kill him. That's correct. The hornet can survive up to 115 degrees Fahrenheit. The Japanese honeybees can survive up to 122 degrees Fahrenheit. So Ooh. their little hugging ball, they raise the temperature. That's, that is so cool. To 116 degrees Fahrenheit. And that roasts the hornet to death. Interestingly, this actually brings up how they're using tech to fight uh, the invasion of this hornet right now, mainly in Washington and the you know the western 
Pacific Northwest area. One way they're using is they're actually using thermal cameras, potentially on drones, to scan areas because the Hornet's hives always maintain a temperature of around 80 degrees Fahrenheit, no matter what the outdoor temperature is. I heard that. I think that's going to be a very important strategy. And given that our American honeybees, or I guess, are we European honeybees? I don't They're know actually technically European honeybees, yeah. They came from Europe. So uh, they're defenseless and we need to help them because they feed us and we love honeybees. Uh, so this is this is really scary. One, Not because of the, the stinger, but because... One suggestion I would add, in case anyone who knows is connected at all in the honeybee world or tech world is listening to this, I have an idea. I think, Stetson, what do we think about this? If they could put like small Raspberry Pi computers with a mic near beehives, and because these hornets are much larger, I'm guessing that their the buzz would be a different frequency than the standard buzz of honeybees, so that if this mic could detect that frequency of buzz, it would sound an alarm, notify the uh, beekeeper, and they could hopefully somehow stop this. Maybe Dave, I don't know. I think that is brilliant. Please right, share time, on Twitter. Timer's up, though. <laughs> Let's move on. Next yep. up. How many rows will it take to get this one? We still got 5G. Five. Favorites. Monthly favorites. Monthly favorites. All right. It is the month of May. Uh, Stetson, what are your things that you're liking currently in the fifth month of this year? Yeah. So a couple things I've been interested in. First one, book. You brought this up a while ago, and I was actually just watching a YouTube video on it, so it's cheating that I say it's a book. It's called Atomic Habits. talks about building habits. It's not about the end goal. It's about making small 1% improvements every day to basically create the workflow, to create the foundational system that will automatically propel you towards success. Yeah, I would I would add an endorsement for that, especially with so many people using like different um, work from home styles and needing like it's a good time to establish new habits potentially. I would also recommend listening to it on Audible. I know we're not sponsored by it. Usually you hear only people talking about Audible when they're sponsored by it. But I would say that's, you know, sign up for a free trial and you can listen to this while you're on the go, while you're cleaning the house. Or, well, I guess not on the go, really, but cleaning the house while you're sitting in your car, you know, or maybe just order the book and read it. I personally like listening to it. it. The guy has very, you know, energizing, compelling voice if you're listening to something like this. But yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Maybe I actually give a, the full book a proper listen. It, it was Oh, you just listened to, to a video. And, yeah, I know. Watch it was a, a short, short uh, summary. Uh, okay. That's well, another that's, option too. Yeah. Uh, I would say one of my May favorites is, uh, an, I guess, another kind of video media content thing. Community, the TV show. Now, I already watched this. This is back from 2013, 2012 or whatever. And, you know, they did six seasons. But this is, I would say, probably one of the best, like where the office is, you know, the office is kind of like the office now. Everyone's correct. Ta- everyone knows it. Everyone knows the memes. Everyone knows the jokes. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing with your life? Basically, is community the same way? Because I don't feel like I've seen those kinds of jokes and stuff. Well, that's what I'm saying. Community is, I would say, this is controversial. I would say Ooh. better almost than the office in ways, but it's at least close to as good. And it's far less known, far more of a fringe kind of like, you know, yeah, it's a unique thing that you're not basically a lot of recommending a high quality show on par with The Office. That's just lesser known. Yeah, uh, I mean it's Dan Harmon who writes Rick and Morty and created Rick and Morty. This this people like Childish Gambino, Donald Glover, he's in it. It's just it's a it's an incredibly written show that will make you if you're ever kind of interested in how TV shows are written. This show gets so meta and stuff and everything. 
that it really makes you appreciate uh, cinema and film and the whole writing that goes behind it. I'd recommend either rewatching it like I'm doing or uh, just watching it for the first time. They also came out with a podcast, Joel McHale and Ken Jong, who are two of the stars on the show, now have a part podcast called The Darkest Timeline, which is a reference that you'd get if you watch the show. But this sounds really interesting. Gabe, I, I know- would also expand that to there's a lot of TV shows that are doing like kind of, uh, you know, reunions and stuff to check out. If you, you know, if you like The Office, I know they just did a reunion on um, what is it? Some Good News or whatever the John Krasinski YouTube on channel. YouTube, yes. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time for TV shows. Do you know what platform this is available on? If people are interested uh, Hulu, watching? and they actually did just add it to Netflix. That was the other big news. Oh, so. that's great. That's yep. what I wanted to hear. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, uh, next up, I'm going an actual video. This is from Matt Devella, Minimalist Meal Prep. It's a really funny video huh. where he basically goes into Trader Joe's, he buys a frozen prepared meal, throws it in the microwave, and that is his Minimalist Meal Prep. I'm kidding. He actually gets no, uh, the guy okay, from you Fit, almost got me. From Fit but, Men yeah. Cook. And they do a really cool, simple, easy meal. It is just fried rice. So check that huh. out if you need something cool to. That's interesting. Well, I don't have a transition on. to my next one. Um, just start I talking. Don't segue. Robot vacuums are oh, a thing. Oh, great one! That's a great that one. I've been considering for a while now. And Mother's Day came around, and I said, "Hey, you know, this is I can get this for my mom and justify it as a gift for my for her, and then me also be able to use it, right? Yeah, that works. Test it out. Yeah. So I am so far. Initial impressions are very positive. You know, it was only two hundred dollar robot vacuum from this company called Eufy E U F Y, their sister company of Anchor, and very cool you set it to run every night and it vacuums your house so maybe i love that's it. the future like the, like time the savings you know i kind of want to get one now kid uh right, last 30 seconds me, app called notion it's awesome it's like a productivity toolbox everything you need all in one spreadsheets documents to-do lists it's brilliant i love it consider checking it out I would add this app Lumos allows you to see where the sun and moon track in the sky. Also, I would add my, I'm really loving my iPad mini. Those are great devices. Let's move on to the Four, next topic. Three, two, one, and next topic. We got 5G and we have, what's the other one? Two, uh, 5G. COVID-19 and tech. All right, 5G. Stetson, uh, I'll let you take this pretty much. I'll I'll do a quick little spiel here. Basically, what I, I'm interested in with 5G is the technology. Is how it, it caused the coronavirus. Gabe, yes, thank you for bringing this to my attention. This is a really important yes, issue. Yes, what do you have to say about this? Stay away from, no, 5G does not cause a coronavirus. That is not how right, viruses how do you do, work. How do you debunk that? Basically, <laughs> where do you, more, where do you start? <laughs> where do I even begin with that? I mean, it's just, it's, it's radio frequency. It's just, basically, 5G lets you download your conspiracy theory videos faster so you should be thankful for it (laughs) well also 5g isn't in every city in the world and coronavirus pretty much is that's a that's a great way to start thank you gabe i actually hadn't thought of that i it's so obvious to me that i don't even i don't even know where to begin with the argument but what you may not know is that you have the low band you have the mid band you have the millimeter wave 5g there's also different technologies that are being implemented for different use cases so for example we're getting four by four memo and MIMO stands for multiple input, multiple output. And that means your phone can connect to multiple bands to transmit data simultaneously. It's like you're driving along on a highway. So could you do, is that like you could do like the low band and the ultra high band at the same time? Or it's that that's do, a great question. Or is it that you can do two different like... It might inputs, be two different of, cell towers, but it also it could just be different bands. I okay. See, this is something I'm learning more about myself. 
But it yeah. does. It's like driving on the highway, and mm-hmm. you go from a two lane to a four lane. Okay. That's like or so like, much more or like multi-threading or stuff like that on exactly. It's awesome. Cores. The other big thing that's interesting to me is you get beam forming. So specifically with millimeter wave, where you're in a city, you can direct the antenna strength towards the smartphone. And previously, it was only on a 2D plane on the ground. You can now do it in three dimensions. So if you're going up on an elevator wow. or something, the cell tower can focus its signal strength on your phone as you're traveling up in a building or something like that. Is this the tech? Is this like the software that they put in the cell towers is doing that? What it's doing is the 5G antennas have a significantly larger array of antennas built mm. inside of them. So I think my understanding is actually more square panels and the layout of the panels allows them to well, I know, focus doesn't, the beam. Wi-Fi does beam forming, right? Or no? I sure. honestly could, I couldn't tell yeah. you. But the, the thing I would say is we've talked about in the past, the rollout of 5G compared to, even though it's a long time ago now, the rollout of 4G. 4G took about, we saw what, like two years till it got a phone from every carrier. Probably. Like I think it was two years from the first smartphone that we saw Apple release theirs uh, that had 4G. So we're, if the iPhone, uh, f- you know, this version, the 12 comes out with 5G compatibility in the fall, that would be pretty much on track there. Though we are seeing, I feel like a faster rate of smartphones coming out because back, I think so back when 4G came out, it was mainly like regular phones with 4G. I think what makes this generation faster is that the low band 5G is reusing some of the similar bands that are currently used So it's for kind 4G of like LTE. a 4G plus type thing. It's kind of, I mean, it is different. Yeah. The way like the technology behind it is different and you do need to enable that on the device. But I think it's just a little bit easier for manufacturers to implement that. And what's also interesting to me and we'll kind of end here is that some of the frequencies are actually being reused. So fun fact of the day is T-Mobile has banned 71 and this is actually a repurposed TV broadcasting frequency, right? So it used to be hmm. channels 38 to 51 on ultra high frequency TV. And now it's uh, improving the T-Mobile coverage network. So it's kind of cool. One last question. And I don't know. I messed up our time. So I don't know exactly how much more we have left. But what's the cheapest phone currently that people can get with 5G? I think it's the OnePlus 8 right now. Okay. And so we're, that, I think how much we're is that still, again? Seven, so it starts at 700? 700 bucks, I think. Yeah. yeah and I think it's 50 less than the iPhone 11. No, no, no. I think it was the same as the I have to look oh, this up now. The, all right, it's around seven hundred dollars though. That's I'm pretty sure that's the cheapest one. Unfortunately, we're waiting on phones from TCL, which are going to be the actual cheapest yeah. ones. And we'll probably honestly, I bet there's the there's some Xiaomi phones coming out. Some probably some. Yeah, it's well, we bucks. can't really do Huawei in the U.S. But yeah, Xiaomi potentially, or what's the other Chinese brand? Um, Oppo. Yeah, Oppo. Maybe I guess they could have one. We're really. I mean, if you're into Android, yeah, you got tons of options coming out. Apple, we'll just have to see what comes this fall. Do you think they'll release all versions with 5G? What is Apple's way? I think they have to. I think at at minimum, the low band and mid band 5G, the sub six 5G needs to be enabled in all their devices. That's what Samsung did with their entry level S20. I mean, just for going forward, I I think that's what they have to do. Do you think they'll do like an iPhone 12 that'll be with with beginning like the low band 5G and then the 12 Pro will have... It could. I hope or? not, because I would assume they'd be using the same chipset for the five yeah, G bands. True. Uh, oh, yeah, but I right. I do know like millimeter wave 
generally has a huge battery hit. Because that's the interesting thing, because Apple isn't using Snapdragon 865 like everyone else. Right, right. They're using something uh, different. They're using their own. All right, last topic. Now, we don't have to roll the, roll the dice anyways just for fun, but last topic <laughs> is the is the fun one. Uh, how, you know, we talk, had a podcast topic about this maybe three episodes, four episodes ago when it was actually, no, probably longer ago, just when COVID-19. It was just getting started. And yeah, I think- before the real lockdowns. And we were like, how is COVID-19 going to affect tech? And how is tech going to affect COVID-19? Oh, this is a fun topic. And then things got really serious. And yeah, we want to kind of touch back on that. What do you think has changed? Well, well, I mean, so I think to cover what we talked about before was mostly about the manufacturing processes because all the plants in China had shut down, right? Yeah, that was a lot of it was we were saying that we were saying release dates were going to be pushed back. But I think there's something different now because it it came to the U.S. It's in the U.S. in case anyone's missed it. It came everywhere. And so now I think we're starting to see some fundamental shifts and how we use technology in different areas of our lives. The biggest one for me is I recently went to the grocery store and the grocery store, the cash register, that's where you typically interact with uh, equipment that everyone's interacting with. It's the the payment terminal. You're punching in your pin card, you're swiping your debit card, paying you're with cash. signing, you could be paying with cash. Check. I think with the virus, this is, this is gonna be the push that is going to tip contactless payments over the edge. I, I could not agree more literally like i think it was like march 20th or whatever this really started getting like oh oh boy this is bad you know we should start like washing our hands a ton my dad uh and well my mom already kind of had it set up but my dad definitely asked me to set up apple pay for him and this is someone this is someone who's in their 60s who like most people in that age or older have been you know they've they've heard about apple pay and stuff but they've been pretty hesitant like why cash you know cash works it's easy for me I won't lose it, and you know why? Why do I need a switch? I have my cards, I have my cash. Yeah, they could. And he was like, cards. he was like, get this, get mine set up now. And he's really loved it, actually. Now, that's great to hear. I yeah. think, yeah, I think this is just going to push it over the edge. And any places that were not previously accepting it, I really hope they do accept it. And I think it'll just be built into all the checkout devices that are getting released going forward. And I think Apple Pay is interesting because that. They don't layer a fee on top, unlike, uh, you know, on, on top of the visa fees and stuff, unlike places like Square and stuff. Interesting. Um, I didn't but know that. What I was going to say is potentially a bad thing we're going to see is we're going to see, a, uh, you know, a lot of people using a lot more delivery and stuff. And Do you think that's bad? It's bad and good. One, I mean, it, it, I Tell love me. it. I love delivery, but bad, I think it's waste. We need it. We need new companies coming out with new delivery containers that are more eco friendly as well as being affordable for the restaurants what i want to do is get reusable bags like the person comes and i can just give them the old bags they promised before in in the age of a virus that doesn't work i know it's true we're not even allowed to bring bags to our grocery stores anymore but the second thing that's also bad is i i know it was going going kind of viral on twitter and stuff is there was this photo tweeted out of someone showing i think it was doordash or grubhub not quite sure but it was a restaurant some restaurant had shared like their invoice or maybe the owner of a restaurant had shared the invoice of the previous months, Grubhub and DoorDash, like what they take. And it was incredible. Like if you're thinking from a business standpoint, how are these businesses and small restaurants going to survive when this company's taking, all right, they're like a 30% fee. Then on top of that, we're taking this much for this surcharge, this much for this, this, and it's adding up. And it's like, they're almost taking like 40%, 50%. It looks like in some areas. 
Jeez. Like, per order. That's basically the profit margin of the restaurant, I would assume. Exactly, like, right? Restaurants aren't that high barely, profit anyways. Barely breaking even. Yeah. And I, I've heard you mostly make money on the drinks. Like those soft serve beverages are really yeah. high marked. And, and you don't really order that when you're... Yeah, you, you don't do that with takeout. So that's, that's definitely... That's something that's changed that could be different. Um, I it, wish... A lot of people ordering this, online too. But. I wish we see grocery delivery ironed out i think that's a huge opportunity to be Instacart. fleshed out and yeah and be become more robust we have one grocery store where i live that is partnered with shipped to do that okay and i think given the volume of grocery stores hopefully those additional fees would have less impact but yikes for those smaller uh restaurants that's tough that's tough one thing that's interesting is we mentioned the supply chains we you know originally thought oh it's going to be like iphones can't be made uh, because the iPhone plans can't open. What it's actually looking like it's more likely going to be is that parts for these products can't, right? If you have like, for example, the Tesla cars, they're, you know, true, their plants might be able to open where they actually assemble the cars, but say there's one silly product that the plant closed down and then like there's some issues there. They got, you know, COVID-19 outbreak. They had to shut down and then they can't manufacture a whole car just because of literally one product potentially. So an interesting bottleneck yeah. in the manufacturing process definitely still also, rings true. RIP movie theaters, is that the future? Ooh, what do you think about there that? There was there was some rumors that Apple was gonna buy AMC today. Or no, not Apple, Amazon, sorry, was gonna buy AMC. Which I think I'm, that's a that's a challenging environment. That's one of the areas where that's where people go. You could potentially open with fifty percent capacity and spread everyone out. I, I think it really depends on what is it what is the, like the risk look like after we have quote unquote solved this? Like, is it still like, all right, COVID-19 still out there and you kind of got to worry about it. Or is it like, we're, you know, we're better or maybe we'll, it'll be somewhere in between and people wear masks everywhere they go. Kind of like they've done in Asia for years now. I think and we're going to be we wearing just go, masks. Hey, you know, if I have to wear a mask, yeah, that's, a, you know, it's going to take a while to get used to, but I'd rather be able to enjoy like a lot of the freedoms, like going to the movie theater, traveling, going on planes than having to give those up and not wear a mask. Sure. I could see TVs becoming more popular though. What I'd love is a correctly color balanced TV, but still I think those could become more popular. And I actually think Facebook, they had a decent idea with their Facebook portal and the TV system where you could have the camera built into the TV. I don't know. What's your take on that? Do you think people would do voice calls if their TV had a microphone and camera built in, or is that just I don't me being so. ridiculous? No, nah, I don't think so. I don't, that's not the way to go. All right, not the way to go. That's fine. We'll skip over it. Uh, last al- section. You can always throw the person up there on like uh, AirPlay or Chromecast them or mirror the display type thing, maybe. That's good. Kind of works. That's smart. What about yeah. fitness classes? My fitness gym has started offering classes over Zoom. I think that could be really popular. And even gyms, Peloton. Of everything, gyms are the most affected, even more than movie theaters, I'd say, because you're literally like, you're sweating there. You're now, you're, it's, it's so it's much. Disgusting. It was so disgusting much, when everyone was yeah. healthy. <laughs> yeah, we just tried not to think about it. So that's really, they, I feel bad for a lot of people who worked at gyms, you know, but hopefully this, it's basically, the way I look at it is a lot of, for a lot of, for everyone, this is bad. For a lot of people, it's really bad economically, emotionally, and everything. The thing you got to kind of keep trying to hope through all the suffering and through all the awful things, you know, hopefully we can try to make it sure no one's dying because of lack of food and stuff, is that hopefully in times of desperation, 
gets your, you know, you have your biggest points of innovation, right? You look in history and there's the points, you know, when there was, you know, a famine that that's when they figured out a new way of growing crops or distributing food. Maybe it was when there was, you know, a huge electricity shortage that they figured out a new way to transform the way they, you know, sent electricity. There's all these different times in history when they had huge problems were faced and it looked like this is awful. This is how are we going to solve this? And then you get the most people putting their minds together and they figure out something they never would have thought of before. So that's that's the silver lining we can all hope for. This could be the most innovative time in recent history in terms of what could be happening. I think I do see home fitness equipment do, becoming more popular, though. Things like Peloton and... Like those wow, services. after after my inspirational thing, we're going to end Yep, with I just went right back to the shallow end of the swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, wait, are you sponsored by Peloton too? I have heard that they're back-ordered forever, so maybe look to other... Even even like Nordic Tract is like back-ordered back two weeks, so... Yeah, I, I had a friend who had to wait like three weeks to get 25-pound dumbbells. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's pretty bad out there, so... It's uh, harsh. Yeah. I think that's all I have. Is that... Do you have anything else you want to add? No, that's I mean, pretty much it. I hope this I episode... I should have just... Wrapped this it up a, after your this inspiration. Was a ju- juicy episode. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Happy May. Uh, you know, we'll see some more tech stuff coming out later this month. Hopefully, uh, I don't know what's on the slate though. I did hear there's a rumored A7S3 for June. No way, Gabe. Dun, dun, stop. Dun, dun. Yeah. No. But anyways, way. let's wrap it up. Guys, thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at pinch to zoom podcast on twitter at pinch to zoom pod email us pinch to zoom podcast at gmail.com if you like this episode please give us a rating on apple podcast we greatly appreciate it help support our podcast production or share it or share it with a listener you think might find this enjoying either way that's going to be it i'm stetson i'm gabe and we look forward to talking to you in the next episode should we start having a question or something to open these podcasts up yeah i was thinking like uh what's the weather like jesus gabe the weather that's it that's what you thought of i thought a long time about that's like the default small talk that's like the most excruciating thing to talk about